Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 430. Welcome in. Uh, let's jump right in. Kind of, this is a big story that I, I am not surprised by. It's been building up to this for a while. Here it is. The Jacksonville Jaguars have fired their head coach, Urban Meyer. And uh, number one, I want to say I feel bad for Jaguars fans. I think that these poor people who have had... I would not want to be a Jaguars fan. It seems like a miserable fan base to be a part of um, as far as like you guys just lose and lose and lose. And I know people were excited. I was not very fired up when they hired Urban Meyer. Uh, but the last thing I would want to do is just crap all over people who like I remember when Urban Meyer was hired. A lot of people felt like he was exactly what the Jaguars needed. And I think for Jaguars fans, it was a bit of hope. And so I, I just am I'm really sorry it didn't work out. I'm, I'm sorry for you guys that he wasn't what you guys wanted him to be. Um, I, I did see this coming. Like, I, I never felt good about the hire. And there are a bunch of stuff that's been piling up against Urban Meyer recently. I, I don't know that he would have made it through the season regardless of what happened. But the final straw recently is that a story came out that apparently he kicked the Jaguars' former kicker Josh Lambeau. He was like stretching or something, you know, the kicker was, and Urban Meyer just kicked him and said, make your effing kicks. And that's super unprofessional. First of all, what if he like hurt the guy? I mean, can you, can you imagine if a coach like Bill Belichick hurt one of his own players by kicking him? It sounds like it wasn't, I, Josh Lambeau said the kick was like a five out of 10. I, 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 want, I don't want to be overdramatic here. But the bottom line is that is super unprofessional to have your head coach kicking a player. I, I've ne I've never heard of anything like that. And I feel like I say that over and over but over again about Urban Meyer is that he's doing stuff wrong that I've never seen done in the NFL. And he also apparently said, I'm the head coach. I'll kick you whenever I want to. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? So Urban Meyer is a former college head coach, a very accomplished head coach. I don't want to be disrespectful entirely because he's won multiple national titles, won at Florida, you know, he won at uh, Ohio State as well. And the problem is a, a college head coach is very different from coaching in the NFL. And it sounds like Urban Meyer basically was a dictator, right? He, I am the head coach. You have to listen to what I say. There's no collaboration. There's... He was threatening his coordinators and his assistant coaches and saying, like, I'll fire you for doing this. Or I, I, what, what, The weirdest thing about Urban Meyer, by the way, threatening his assistant coaches is that he hired them. Hey, hey, dude, you built your staff. If I hired an editor and then constantly was berating my editor saying, you suck. My, my stupid editor can't edit my videos good. It's like, well, why are you working with that person? Why did you hire that person if they're terrible at their job? Like... It's a weird disconnect, and Urban Meyer in his entire run, I, I have not liked Urban Meyer for quite a while. Like the, he's he seems slimy and and, and really um, reprehensible. Maybe that's the word. Just I, I haven't liked him for a long time. But more than normal, during his tenure as the Jaguars head coach, Urban Meyer has seemed totally unlikable. 
I don't know if he hates his life. I don't know if his marriage is falling apart. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. He seems unlikable and miserable and angry and not like the kind of person I would want to play for. Remember, he left the team after a Thursday night game. Didn't fly back with them. Never heard of that before. To cheat on his wife uh, in Ohio. He's got a 2-11 and record as a head coach. He got fired now. Um, the rumors and reports that he kept threatening his staff are, are crazy to me. I just don't like that. Uh, they've just been piling up. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, his rookie quarterback, the number one overall pick, made multiple... He, he went out of his way a couple times to contradict Urban Meyer. I, that's weird to have your quarterback say, oh, what Urban said, totally wrong. And like he, he didn't do it exactly the way I just did it. He didn't call out Urban Meyer. But Urban would make a statement... And Trevor would say, well, no, it's actually this, right? It's like, what? That's weird. And he even made a statement once Urban said, like, oh, this guy's playing really well. I had a good game. And the guy didn't even play one snap of the game. Like, he, I don't, I, I don't, what, what's going on with Urban Meyer? Maybe the question is not, is Urban Meyer okay? Is he going through something we don't know about? Like, I, I really feel like the guy... I, I I hate the guy. I don't like I don't like Urban Meyer at all. But I'm like, should we be concerned about Urban Meyer? Because he's contradicting himself. He's threatening people. It's it's not good or healthy at all. And he's been a massive failure. He's been and he was because now he's fired. He was a massive massive failure as a Jaguars head coach. And the, the reality is he didn't relate to NFL players very well. Right in college, you are a dictator. You can have scandals that the university will cover up to because hide what you're doing. And players are 18 and have no agency. You're not paying them. They have no, they have way less um, power. In the NFL, you're talking to grown men who make millions of dollars. You're not going to boss them around. You can't be a dictator. I know Bill Belichick comes across like a dictator often, but Bill Belichick, the people I know that have played for him speak really highly of him. They say he's collaborative. They, he's hard. He coaches them hard. He, he keeps them accountable. He will critique them when they need to, but he also is very, very relaxed and much more than people realize. Like one thing I love about Bill Belichick that no one ever talks about. He says, I don't care what you wear to a walkthrough. It's little things like that, right? When I was in college, I hated we would be like, you have to wear black shorts to practice. I'm like, all my black shorts are dirty. I have these really comfortable gray shorts, and you can't wear them because the coach says you got to wear black shorts for some reason. It's stupid. Why does it matter what color shorts I wear at practice? I didn't. Bill Belichick, if you played for him, doesn't care. That doesn't affect us winning. I don't care what shorts you wear. It's ridiculous. So my point is that Bill Belichick gets a bad rap for being a dictator. The true dictator in the NFL recently has been Irvin Meyer. And it's unbelievable. Now, it's kind of fitting his final game, Urban Meyer's final game in Jacksonville. They lost 20 to nothing. Trevor Lawrence's rookie quarterback had four interceptions. Trevor right now has nine touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. And Trevor said, I believe yesterday, he said, uh, in order for us to win, the drama has to stop. And uh, I think part of that, I, I think that quote carried a lot of weight. The reason why Shad Khan, in my opinion, fired Urban Meyer finally is the Josh Lambeau story is just you, you can't kick your players like that. That's the final straw. And it gave them probable cause to say you're 
this is this can't continue anymore. And uh, Urban really hurt his team. Like Urban Meyer continually got in his own way over and over and over again. And he derailed their season multiple times with drama and all kinds of nonsense. And the Jaguars are a mess. Urban Meyer was unable to fix them. And I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm glad to see him gone. He was a failure as a head coach. He should not have been in that job at all. And I think most of what Urban Meyer did during his time as a Jaguars head coach was negative and hurt his own football team. And uh, I'm glad to see him go. Okay, uh, let's talk about college football real quick. Let me drink some water. You know, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Drink some water. I need to put on some chapstick. It's really uh, feeling really, really dry-lipped today. Okay. Oribin, or Oribin. Oribin is not a word. Someone, someone come after me. Oribin. No, not a word. Oregon has hired their next head coach. Uh, they hired Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning to be their new head football coach in Eugene. And uh, I want to be clear about one thing because I, I'm, I'm trying to be self-aware. I know that this entire segment is going to make me sound like an Oregon football hater. And I, I don't mean to be. I Unfortunately, I feel like I need to give Oregon football fans bad news. Here's the good news first, though. So let, let's start on the most positive note I possibly can, right? Dan Lanning is a good football coach. He's the Georgia defensive coordinator. He's got a good defensive mind. He's, thir- he's young. He's 35 years old. He knows defense. Like I'm, I am not at all trying to say that Dan Lanning is a bad football coach by any means, because I am not. He's a, he's a good coach. Unfortunately, here is what Dan Lanning is not. He's not a big name. And in my opinion, hiring Dan Lanning is going to hurt recruiting. Because I think a lot of people, 18-year-old kids in high school football, getting ready to go play in college, go, who's Dan Lanning? I've never heard that name before. Huh. And then and it probably has some weight when they're like, oh, the Georgia defensive coordinator. But he's not... Nick Saban, Chip Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal, Jim Harbaugh. He's not a Kirby Smart. He's not a big name in college football that people will recognize. And I, I whether you like it or not, Oregon's program is taking a step backward, right? Like they signed Dan Lanning to a $29.1 million deal. Hey, that's about a $70 million difference between what they should have paid Mario Cristobal and what they are paying Dan Lanning. So, congratulations! You saved money! Oh, yay! You're not paying a guy a lot of money. That's great. Oh, are you a top program in college football? Oh, no. No, you're not. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because if you want to have a top college football coach, you pay them $100 million and get a real, like, get a better coach who's coached before and has a proven record. Nothing against Dan Lanning. Um, he's not proven, right? Like, why would anyone go to Oregon over... Uh, you're going to go... Let's go play in rural Oregon instead of Miami, Southern California, literally any um, SEC school, Ohio State. Oregon is not one of the big boys in college football anymore. I think they were on the cusp of that briefly, and the window has passed. Here's a prediction for you. Oregon's going to get dominated by USC for the next uh, couple of years, if not longer. They're not a top dog in college football. It's it's a sad. We're seeing a, not the death of a, a program. They're not dead. They're still 
they got cool uniforms, I guess, and uh, they got the Death Star, that cool football facility. But here's the thing. Oregon didn't even get their first or second option with their head coach they wanted. They wanted to hire Cal head coach Justin Wilcox, and he apparently turned down the job. He said, nah, I like Cal. Here's how <laughs> – I'm sorry, but uh, would you pick Cal over USC – or Michigan, or Ohio State, or LSU, or, like, you know what I mean? Oregon had someone pick Cal over them. A school with recruiting standards, with, with academic standards, makes recruiting even more difficult. Justin Wilcox, like, I got a good thing here. Why would I leave? That's a big statement also. And they also tried to hire Chip Kelly. Oregon got desperate. They're like, ah, Chip Kelly. Wait, maybe we can hire Chip Kelly. Remember him? He's at UCLA. Maybe we can poach him from UCLA, and that didn't work either. I, I truly believe that Oregon is a lot closer to being nationally irrelevant than they realize. I mean, they'll be a good Pac-12 school. They'll win some games, and that's great. Uh, they're, they're, they're farther from a championship now than they were before Mario Cristobal left. And that's what I'm saying, right? I'm not trying to hate on them, but they're, they're, this is a step backward for them. It's a big step backward for Oregon. And uh, Dan Lanning will probably do well. He'll probably win some games, and I, that, that's fine. But Oregon is no longer, a, a, or anywhere near being a top dog in college football. I thought they were on the cusp of that. They beat Ohio State. They had Mario Cristobal, and they decided to let Mario Cristobal leave. I don't know why you would do that, uh, but... The result of that is if you're going to let Mario Cristobal leave, you better upgrade with their head coach. They didn't upgrade. So now it's a step backward, and uh, I want to acknowledge that. Nothing against Dan Landing, nothing against Oregon, but it's sad that we saw a program who was, I thought, really close to becoming a top dog in college football, and then they fumbled the ball. So uh, that's how I feel about Oregon and their new head football coach. Spencer Rattler, uh, former Oklahoma quarterback, really talented. He's got a crazy big arm. He is a an NFL-level talent. He's got to make good decisions. He's got to keep his head on straight. But as far as like ability to throw the football, he is a fantastic quarterback. He has announced that he is transferring to South Carolina. He's pairing up with head coach Shane Beamer down there. Down there, over there, whatever it is. I'm, I'm in Hawaii. I don't know what it is geographically in relation. Uh, it's unexpected to me, but it's a solid fit. I'm like, oh. I did not see South Carolina coming, but that makes a lot of actually sense. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. He's going to play against the best teams in the SEC. And here's what I thought uh, was crazy about this is that think about all the talent that is pooling up in the SEC. It's unbelievable. Coaches, players, and this getting a really good quarterback to South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, it makes the SEC even better. It's amazing football. I'm excited to watch it. I, I've become a, as I step back and just enjoy football, I'm like, what? Well, where is the best football happening in college football? Uh, I think the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is pretty fun. But the SEC, if you want to watch great football and, you know, NFL players, great quarterbacks, great coaching, fun rivalry, tradition, loud crowds, people that care, like, the SEC is the place to be. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm from the Northwest, and that— in the Northwest, they, they always hate on, oh, the SEC is bad. No, it's not, man. It's it's amazing football. It's great. And this is another example of why the SEC is great and getting better. And, and once the SEC started getting good quarterbacks, it's been hard to even compete with them. It's really cool to see. And 
uh, one thing that's interesting, a lot of people were talking about how maybe Spencer Rattler's going to go to USC to play for Lincoln Riley. I'm like, uh, why, why would he go to play for the coach who chose to bench him? That never made sense to me. Um, but he actually ironically chose the other USC. Instead of Southern California, he chose University of South Carolina, which I, eh, it's kind of fun, interesting. I bet he feels, he's like, oh, that's kind of a cool little dig at Lincoln Riley. I mean, it has nothing to do with his decision-making, but sometimes fun things work out like that. Apparently, former Oklahoma tight end Austin Stogner had a big hand in making this happen. He was transferring, oh, he is transferring to South Carolina. And his, him and his parents were like, hey, you should talk to Spencer. Like, Spencer, I think, might want to come here if he knew, if you talked to him. So Shane Beamer uh, went and talked to him, and they helped make it happen. And here we are. Spencer Rattler is now going to... South Carolina, which is going to be fun. And I, I just got to say, like, I, I'm i excited to see this. It'll be really cool to watch him play in the SEC. And uh, I would like to see South Carolina continue to build their program. I, I really think that'd be fun and exciting. And I, uh, I'm i excited to watch Spencer Rattler play there. Okay, uh, I haven't acknowledged it yet, so let's do it now. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy he threw for 4,322 yards, 43 touchdowns, four interceptions. He also ran for three touchdowns. Um, Alabama, his team is 12-1. and one. They are in the college football playoff. To win the Heisman Trophy, he beat out these other top candidates. He beat out Michigan D and Aiden Hutchinson, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett, and Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. I don't have much more to say than that. I, I got it. You know, when I was watching Georgia versus Alabama in the SEC title game, watching Bryce Young shred that Georgia defense, having the best performance anyone's had against Georgia all year. I was like, yeah, it's pretty clear he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Not a surprise, but um, hey, great job. Well done to Bryce Young. Good for him. Here's a crazy story that I I think is... um, A lot of people are saying it's going to change recruiting forever. I don't know that that is true. But I would like that to happen. It'd be very cool if it did. And uh, I think... here, Here it is. Travis Hunter, a five-star recruit and the number one recruit in the country, is you know a cornerback. He flipped his recruitment from Florida State to Jackson State, an FCS HBCU school, and it's very cool. It's probably, I think, best for him too. So a lot of people are saying this is going to change recruiting forever. He chose an FCS school that's ever happened before, an HBCU school. Oh my gosh! And um. Jackson State is a very unique situation that is not going to be very easy to duplicate by other small colleges. Their head coach is Deion Sanders, which means that the best corner in the country, Travis Hunter, he's the number one recruit in a lot of places. ESPN and the Chasm actually at number two. I don't really care. He's, he's amazing. Like He's the best player ever to go to a school like this. He's going to get coached by arguably the best corner of all time, Deion Sanders. I, sorry, like, I love Eastern Washington, right? I, I spent a lot of time there in college. They're not going to get uh, Jerry Rice to be their head coach to recruit a lot of top wide receivers. So it's not really duplicatable. Duplicatable? Is that the word? Whatever it is. Um, I didn't go to Jackson State. I don't, I don't even have a degree. Um, so Travis Hunter is now going to play in a place that I think is going to help him tremendously become a better player. It's best for his NFL future. And I think he's also going to get on the field center. Why would you go to like Florida State and become you know, part of their obscurity of a ton of recruits and top players and maybe get on the field. You can go to Jackson State, probably get on the field immediately and get a lot of playing time, be coached by the best, be very competitive. I think he's going to be awesome there. And the NFL doesn't care where you play. It's very clear. 
we've seen more and more examples recently where, hey, if you can play, the NFL will find you. And if Travis Hunter balls out and is fantastic, you know, fantastic at Jackson State, it's not really going to matter where he played college football. So it's very cool. It's unheard of. He's the best player ever to go to an FCS school or an HBCU school. Um, and I don't know that it's going to change recruiting forever. We'll see if it does. It might change Jackson State forever. It'd be cool if they kept got it, getting top recruits. I would love to see that. But um, well done by Prime, man. Well done by Deion Sanders. That's awesome. I'd love to see that. And uh, I like that. Here's what this story really represents. It's people thinking outside the box and saying, huh, I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. I don't need to follow. Socially, you go to Alabama, Florida State, the top dog with big facilities, this big school. You usually do that. He's like, no, I don't need to go where everyone says I should go. I'm going to go to the college that's going to make me the best player where I think I'm going to like being the most. And for him, I think he realized I'm going to be a better player by going to Jackson State and have the most fun at Jackson State and have a good time and a good experience and learn from the best. And he certainly wasn't going to get that at Florida State. And that, to me, says it all. It's a guy who's willing to, not afraid to kind of shy away from a social norm and do something different because it's best for him. A lot of people aren't willing to step out of their comfort zone and do what other people view as different. Well done by Travis Hunter in the foresight to do that. Uh, very, very cool. And I'm excited to see how he does at Jackson State. Okay, uh, before we go to break, this is the final story I want to talk about. It's a story that this story will tell you why it's important to have a veteran quarterback on your team, especially a veteran quarterback who's been around a legendary quarterback. So if you watch the Bills against the Patriots last week, uh, not not the Rams-Cardinals game, but the week before that on Monday Night Football, it was a windy, messy, crazy weather game, very cold. And you might have seen Mac Jones wearing literally a scuba suit under his pads. I uh, had you know the head covered, you know, went up to his eyebrows and looked like it looked like he was about to go, you know, put on scuba gear or maybe go skiing. And apparently Tom Brady used to wear a scuba suit in the cold in New England. He showed that to his backup Brian Hoyer. And guess who right now is the backup quarterback in New England? Brian Hoyer. And so Brian Hoyer showed that to Mac Jones. So inadvertently, Tom Brady helped teach Mac Jones how to handle the cold. Crazy weird roundabout way to look at that. But uh, this is why you want a veteran quarterback on your roster. Especially if you played by Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Like, hey, I want that guy in the room for my young quarterback to help him learn. It totally matters. That's why Joe Flacco being a part of the Jets is a big deal. And why you want, I think it's good they traded for him. You want a veteran presence in your locker room around your young quarterback. It really matters. It really helps. There's all these little tricks and tools of the trade you might not know that, hey, a guy who's done it for a long time, won Super Bowls, been around, might be able to help you. So uh, veteran quarterbacks are a massively underrated commodity in the NFL, I think are not talked about enough. And I think Brian Hoyer is making a big impact on helping Mac Jones become the success that he is in new England. Also kind of funny, Tom Brady's still helping Bill Belichick. Uh, when the 
Buccaneers and Tom Brady beat the Bills on Sunday, that helped stretch New England's lead to two games ahead of Buffalo in the AFC East. And so in another weird way, Tom Brady's still helping the Patriots uh, win championships in their division and uh, win AFC East titles. So kind of funny. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break when I return. We'll do Ask Zach. It'll be a good one. It'll be a fun one. I love you. I appreciate you. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. It is time for my favorite part of the show, Ask Zach. It is where I read questions from the audience. In case you do not know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple to read on the show. I'm an idiot. I didn't open my uh, my notes yet on my phone. I got a fantastic Google Doc sheet ready to go. Let's open it. Question number one is from Brock. I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I picked this question from Brock. Why will this not go under? Come on. There we go. I picked question number one from Brock. Um... Believing that by the time I got to this very moment, I would have an answer. And I still am working through what I'm going to say. But Brock writes in, he says, Are you more confident in the Bucks from their great performance earlier on and the big defensive stop in overtime with a near-perfect overtime offensive performance? Or are you less confident in Tampa for blowing their massive lead and failing to continue putting up points and getting defensive stops after halftime? So in case you don't know, Tampa led 24-3 to in this football game against the Bills on Sunday. They did win. They won it overtime 33-27. to I think that's right. Yeah, because 6 plus, yeah, yeah, 33-27. They didn't kick an extra point. Um, so they won. They had a 58-yard touchdown pass in overtime to Brashad Perryman, his only catch of the day. It was awesome. Uh, I, I was rooting for Tampa. Sorry. Um and I'm not going to hide it. Like, I, I, I try it, but I, lo- I love Tom Brady, guys. It's fun. Uh, and what, so what, what, what's the take? What am I more impressed with or bothered by? I, I think the team that gets a 24-3 to lead, that's a big deal. And would you rather be that or the team that's down 24-3? to I think that's impressive. Uh, I thought they could have played a lot better in the second half. They missed a couple opportunities. Tom Brady missed a couple throws. Uh, and then... Like, Buffalo scored 17 unanswered points in the final 10 minutes of the game. That's great. And Buffalo's a good team. It's no shame to have a near miss where you almost lose to Buffalo. But I thought the biggest, most telling thing from this game was that Tampa got a stop in overtime. The Bills had the ball first in overtime, went three and out. Tampa got a stop. Buffalo had chance after chance after chance to to win this game, and and they, they did their very best, but... Tampa got a stop, got the ball back, scored in overtime, won the game. Um, so I think I don't think it's like why, say, Brock. I would ask, why are you forcing me to pick one or the other? Can it be both that hey, the twenty four three lead is great, the win in overtime is great, the stop in overtime is fantastic? Am I concerned the game got tied up and sent to overtime a little bit? Like that's not great, uh, but I think it's more important to be the team that can get a big lead and and end up winning, and they got the win, and it's, I'm never going to be too disappointed with a team, maybe the only disappointing win I've seen recently was when Dallas barely beat Washington, and their quarterback played terrible, Dak was like, 
missing throws left and right in the second half, had a horrible pick six. I mean, you can win a game in a way that is concerning, but I didn't feel that way watching Tampa and Buffalo on Sunday. Devin writes in, he says, obviously there's a lot of quarterbacks you would choose before Big Ben. But to make it more interesting, who are some starting quarterbacks in the league you would take Big Ben over? In other words, if you made a a top 32 starting quarterback ranking, who are you ranking below Big Ben? I know times haven't been the greatest for you guys lately, but I hope you guys are rolling with the punches well and and get through whatever it is you're dealing with. Uh, Thank you, Devin. Appreciate it. Um, So here is what... So I'm going to avoid rookies for this list because I don't... like. Would I take Big Ben over Zach Wilson right now? Yeah, I would. But that's not fair to Zach Wilson. He's in year one, still developing. And also, Big Ben's going to retire. Like, no one in their right mind would say, hey, building a franchise. Let me take the old veteran Big Ben who's about to retire instead of Zach Wilson. You say, no, I'd rather build around Zach Wilson. So, guys in their first or second year, they're off the list. I'm not going to. I almost put Tua on the list. I'm like, well, it's still, it's the same conundrum. Like, well, would you rather take a guy who's young and growing or a guy who's really good but about to retire? Uh, Big Ben is not perfect. Here are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I would rather not have. So I would take Big Ben. I would rather have Big Ben than these nine quarterbacks in the NFL. Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback. Uh, look, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and Daniel Jones hasn't delivered. Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. I, I think here's what this would be the most amazing, weird crazy fun thing possible if big ben went to cleveland next year i actually think the browns would be better i think big ben would do better in cleveland than pittsburgh and i think the browns would be better with big ben that's a weird dream scenario but big ben is better than baker uh baker is part of the reason why the browns aren't winning big ben in that offense with the weapons they have in cleveland I think that would work very well. Uh, I think they would have ended up not trading OBJ, too. I think Big Ben would have worked better with OBJ. So um, Big Ben's better than Baker. I take that. I would take Big Ben over Jared Goff. Uh, I would take Big Ben over Taylor Heineke. No, but I love Taylor. It's just Big Ben's better. I would take Big Ben over Andy Dalton. I would take Big Ben over Cam Newton, over Sam Darnold. Taysom Hill is one. I, I can't understand why... The Saints keep trying to force Taysom Hill onto the world. It's not going to happen. He's not a franchise quarterback. I don't understand. Uh, and maybe that, that'd be a fun film analysis, actually, be Taysom Hill showing, like, here are all the concerns. Uh, dude, it's going to be a crazy offseason with, hopefully, hopefully so many film analysis videos. My, my voice just cracked. I, I want to do a lot of film analysis this offseason. I have, like, a list of all the ones I want to do, and I'm like, oh, I get excited thinking about it because it's going to be it's gonna be awesome. Uh, I would take Teddy Bridgewater. I would take Big Ben over Teddy Bridgewater as well. In fact, I think Big Ben in Denver might make the playoffs. Like, literally, I think that Cleveland and Denver are two teams that are really good, just waiting to be led by a good quarterback, and and in Denver's case, probably the right coach. Um, And how crazy would it be if Big Ben didn't retire but went to Cleveland or went to Denver? That'd be really fun and very interesting, and I would watch that in a heartbeat. Okay, Steven writes in, says, Hey, Zach, I was wondering what you suggest the Steelers should do at quarterback. It's no secret that Big Ben is well past his prime, and it's time for him to head out. Should we pick a rookie? I am personally rooting for Pickett, or 
Should we try to get someone like Matt Ryan? Also, some facts for you. This is interesting. Gail Sayers is the youngest person to be in the Hall of Fame at 34 years old. And finally, the Patriots were originally going to be called the BS Patriots, the Bay State Patriots. Um, <laughs> imagine if the Patriots were called the BS Patriots. I think they're already called that all the time. So <laughs> that's funny. Gail Sayers in the Hall of Fame at 34. That's crazy, too. Wow. Um, so here's what Pittsburgh should do at quarterback, in my opinion. They're going to draft Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral, whoever's available when they draft, I think. Uh, one, maybe two dark horse scenarios here. I would call Philadelphia and say, hey, which quarterback do you not want? <laughs> hey, I'll take Jalen Hurts or I'll take Gardner Mitchell. And you probably can't do that. You probably have to say, like, I want Gardner. If they say we're not trading Gardner, say, why well, are you trading Jalen? Because you can't, you don't want to tip your hat to, like, you, you don't want it known that they have two good quarterbacks. You want to probably aggressively pursue one, make a trade for that. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of what would be best for how do you actually get a quarterback out of Philadelphia? It probably is better to pick one and make that trade offer than say, we'll do either one. What do you want? Um, because I, I don't know. I feel like that would be very tough. If you say, hey, we want Gardner, and they're like, ah, and we're like, oh, so you like Gardner. We'll take Jalen. Would, it would force them to pick a side automatically. Uh, whereas if you, if you make them decide, they're never going to decide and you're never going to get a callback. Gardner Minshew or Jalen Hurts would be awesome. Awesome. Jalen Hurts in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin and the weapons there. I think he might be the leader that they need in that locker room to focus up their young receivers. Like, hey, Chase Claypool, I, I think, doesn't get along with Big Ben. Big Ben is so much older than Chase Claypool. They don't relate and they don't work. I think it's hurting their relationship. I think it's hurting the football team. Uh, I talked to, I literally today interviewed the director, uh, Amith, of Religion of Sports, who works, he works closely with Tom Brady. Like, I, I interviewed a guy today who talked to Tom Brady, and like, a, a lot, and spends time with him, and his kids, and his wife, and like, knows Tom Brady really well. And he said, it's crazy that Tom Brady, the, the rookies entering the NFL are closer in age to Tom Brady's kids than Tom Brady is himself. The point is, it's hard when you're in, you know, late 30s, early 40s to relate to a rookie or young player in the NFL. It's a different, they're, they're not married, they're <laughs> new to money, they're new to the NFL. I think Jalen Hurts would work way better with Juju and Chase Claypool and probably be the leader that would help focus them up. So I would, now that I think about it out loud, dude, Jalen Hurts with Mike Tomlin and that offense and... That locker room, I think he would be the right leader and a great fit. That fires me up. That's really fun. Here's a guy who I don't think would work in that locker room, but I think is an interesting thought nonetheless. A dark horse, Kirk Cousins could go to Pittsburgh and the guy'd be interesting. But no, the one I'm excited about, like what fires me up more than Kenny Pickett does, Jalen Hurts, who might be cheaper to get, by the way, in a trade than Kenny Pickett would be. I'm trading for Jalen Hurts if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm like, hey, can we get him? And if they won't give me Jalen, I'm taking Gardner Minshew. Either one. That's a great opportunity there. They got two quarterbacks in Philly that are, I think, both undervalued and underappreciated. And that's an interesting thought. I like that a lot. Oh, man. Jalen Hurts would be great for that locker room in Pittsburgh. Undoubtedly. Sean writes in. He's got two questions. I will allow it. It's fun. He says, would you agree or disagree that boneless wings are glorified chicken nuggets? Defend your case. And then he says also, who do you see getting the AFC, getting the playoff by? in both the NFC and the AFC. We'll start with the chicken nugget question. So are 
boneless chicken wings actually just glorified nuggets? My gut is yes. But then I ask, is that actually bad? Chicken nuggets are great. If they're just high quality chicken nuggets, isn't that also awesome? Like, is that is that a bad thing? I don't think so. I love some wings. They're great. Bo- boneless wings are, I think, usually what I go for. Now, there are vehicles for sauce. I'm dipping boneless wings in tons of ranch or tons of whatever sauce there is because I do it for the sauce, right? Um, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's very rare I'm in a mood where I, I'm thinking, hey, I want to I rip something off a bone with my teeth or my fingers, and you get way more messy. You can eat boneless wings with a fork, and you guys know I love eating stuff. I eat pizza with a fork. I'm a madman. I really, I really do that, by the way. I take notes, and I since I'm writing when I watch football, I don't want to get my hands all dirty because you don't want your – gooey nasty hands touching your pieces of paper where you're taking notes so i eat everything with a fork and knife so boneless wings are usually the way to go uh i I guess the question too if the boneless wings are if they are just actually a wing that might be one thing but usually it is like chicken mash or reconstituted meat which is like chicken strips with a couple other things thrown in to keep it all together so it's not what's Probably more quality meat is probably bone in because that's real. Like actually, just took that from a chicken. Whereas boneless wings are they're, they're nuggets, right? They, let's be honest. But they're high quality nuggets, and I love that. Uh, and I right in if you're listening on YouTube, oh, look, even if you're on Instagram, like if you're if you're listening on uh, on an iTunes, you know, audio only version, whatever that looks like, whether it's Apple Play or whatever the heck there is. There's all kinds of ways to listen to the show, audio only. That's not the video version. Write in and tell me what your favorite sauces are for boneless wings. Because I'm always in the market. Like recently I bought Asian Zing sauce and that stuff. Woo! It goes right through you. It really messes up the guts. But it is phenomenal. I love. I bought the Buffalo Wild Wings Asian Zing sauce. Amazing. I love it so much. Uh, but yeah, write in. Let me know what your favorite sauces are for boneless wings. Because I'm always in the market. And my, my ears are always open listening for available options. Uh, also, weird thing, you can make chicken nuggets in a pan, by the way. I, I learned that recently. Uh, I made chicken nuggets uh, before we got an air fryer. I think we're going to return it, and I'm just going to go back to the pan. But um, you can use a put it, chicken nuggets in a pan and fry them, and they cook the same way, and it works fine and pretty good. Weird thought. I, I don't know why I thought of that, but I did. Uh, playoff buy. The NFC and the AFC. So what that means, who's going to get a playoff by? Who will be the number one seed in both the AFC and the NFC? I think the Patriots are going to get the number one seed in the AFC. And I believe the Packers are going to get the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, the Packers, I look at the schedule ahead for New England and Green Bay, and they're more favorable. Uh, here's one thing, though. And I, I think a lot about... I think about Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I've done a, two episodes today about Tom Brady. I did, you know, the Man in the Arena episode. Then I did an interview with someone who knows Tom Brady as like a friend with him. So he's been on my head a lot. I think about Tom Brady and I wonder, would Tampa actually rather just play a wild card game? Is that possible? Because it, it does suck that you don't have home field advantage as much as the number one seed. If you're the number two seed, though, it's another game to win, but it also allows you to keep your momentum going. Like the, the, the one weird negative hurdle of being the number one seed is yes, you get a bye week. Yes, you get to rest. Yes, it is one fewer game between you and the Super Bowl. But I will say there is a bit of a downside is, is that your momentum gets halted. You have a week off, which can be good. It can be bad. 
Uh, and also you, it's not, so during the regular season, when you have a bye week, you're like, Hey, uh, two weeks from now we play the Atlanta Falcons and we know what they're doing. We can prepare for them in the playoffs. When you get a bye, you don't know who you're going to play in two weeks. You, you can kind of try to prepare for both possibilities or whatever possibilities you have. But really the only advantage I think is that you have fewer games to the Super Bowl and you get more rest because it's it's not the same amount of preparation you would get during the regular season when you have a set in stone schedule. So um, I don't know that I, I'm curious if teams would even feel that having, I mean, I guess fewer games to the Super Bowl is a massive advantage, but how much is it really an advantage? I wonder, are, are teams going to fight for it the same way they used to? I don't know. I really wonder, is it the advantage it used to be to have a, a a bye week in the NFL playoffs. Uh, um, that might be a stupid question. I might be crazy, but I'm curious what people write in and, and think. Nevin writes in with a an interesting one. I'm going to be guarded with what I say here. Nevin says, Keenan Slovis has entered the transfer portal. Where do you see him going? That's a former USC quarterback. Um, so I, I don't think Keenan would mind me saying this I, I i talked to him about this the other day uh he was he, he's i encouraged him to talk to other people there there's some people i know that i hey, talk to this guy talk to that guy um what i will say the advice i gave to keaton and he's he's not like doing what i say he's listening to all kinds of people he's looking for any voices that might help him um i said you should go somewhere where you can play because i i think he's too good and and life is too short to be a backup I just, you don't want to be a backup. I also said, and the last thing I'll say about this, because I, I really don't want to like say something out of turn here. I, I, I like the relationship I have with him. He's awesome. I love the guy. Um, I said, it's ideal to go somewhere that runs the ball well and plays good defense because as a quarterback, you already have so many things to worry about. It's really nice if you can run the ball and play defense. If, if you're like, hey, I got to do my job, but the rest of the team's solid. That's a it's a huge relief onto what you do, and I uh, I've been on teams that didn't run the ball well and didn't play good defense, and let me tell you, it's a lot harder to carry everything, right? When you're like, hey, my team's get my defense is giving up 45 points a game, it's a lot harder to win, and it makes your job harder because the way you call plays is different, and and so I just that's the advice I gave him, and um, I will be waiting with you guys to see where he goes. I'm very excited. I I, th- I believe in Keaton a lot. I think Keaton is a I believe he's a future NFL quarterback. I, I re- I'm not. I'm not BSing that. I've watched the film. He's a great decision maker. He's very accurate. I speak really highly of him because I believe in him, and not just because I, I know him. I, I think I know him because I spoke highly of him. But I, I'm telling you guys, Keaton Slovis is an underrated gem in college football, and I'm, I'm very, very excited to see where he goes. Okay, uh, the next question. We got two left. One I'm not going to answer, but I'm going to read it because I'm, it might be a teaser. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read what it. What Ultimate A wrote in, go, huh, because I'm not going to, whatever I read from Ultimate A next, I'm not going to do it on the show this episode, but I'm going to think about it because there's something there. I've been trying to figure out, like, what do I do with the bowl games? Because I want to cover some of the bowl games. I don't want to cover all of them. There's a lot of bowl games I don't care about. There's some that are good. uh, And I'm going to read what Ultimate A has to say, hopefully get some comments about it, listen to feedback and, and make some kind of plan between now and like hopefully next episode and do something, something manageable and interesting related to bowl games. Ultimate A writes in, it says, hi Zach, 
have an idea for content that I think would make the upcoming college bowl games a lot more fun. Out of all the eligible bowl games, number them all. Then use a random number generator online to pick four bowl games and make a preview slash recap segment for those bowl games. I understand you want to make content you're passionate about, but I think this could be a refresher in comparison to what you've probably been focused on most for the college football season. Just a thought or suggestion. Thanks, as always, Ultimate A. So hearing that, I'm like, maybe I could make a list of the the bowl games I'm personally excited for and preview those. Because I'm like, it feels like a wasted opportunity to not talk about bowl games at all. But I don't, I don't want to, I can't cover, there's so many. I can't do all of them. It's just, it, it massively overwhelms me. I'm like, why? I, I have a job to do. I have to cover the NFL and uh, all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to worry about Marshall playing Toledo, even if it's a good game. I, do, I don't have the, the bandwidth to do that. So, uh, ultimate, I like, your, I like where your head is at. Final question today, Carter says, who do you want for the AFC wildcard spots? Not who do you think gets in, but if you got to pick two teams, who would you choose? So there will be three. I, I think you typo or you didn't know. There, there are three wildcard teams in the NFL now. It's, it's hard for me to remember. They added a seventh team to the playoffs, and we also got an 18th week to football season. Dude, I, I'm all messed up too. Um, here are the three teams I want to see make the wildcard in the AFC, and I think it would be fantastic. Uh, and let me, let me comment this because I want it known – I think the AFC playoffs are way more interesting and more fun where on the other side, though, the NFC is very top heavy and as the better team. So I think it's really likely a team from the NFC is going to win a Super Bowl, but there's only like three or four teams in the NFC that can because the wildcard teams in the NFC are probably not going to be very good. Like we might get Washington in my class. Sorry. Sorry. I love Washington. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. Dallas is not going to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> but, but alas, um, so I want either, I think it's going to be LA, the chargers, but it might be Kansas city, depending on who wins the West, whatever Kansas city or LA, the chargers, whichever team doesn't win the West, I want to make the wild card. Cause I think it, it's better to have good fun football teams in the, in the wild card and in the playoffs. And the chargers are awesome. And Kansas city, if they don't win the division, I want them in too, because their football's better when you have. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the NFL playoffs. It's going to be great. Then I want Buffalo. They're seven and six. They're at risk right now. I don't think Buffalo is going to win their division, but they're too good a team to not make the playoffs. I want them in. I think it'd be great. And then I want the Colts. I think the Colts storyline coming back from their bad start and making it into the playoffs would be so validating of what I believe the Colts are capable of. And that might be, so I remember a while back, there was a team, uh, a lowly little team, the New York Giants, a wildcard team that nobody expected to win the Super Bowl. But they got on a run, they got hot, and they upset the Patriots. I think the Colts are the one team here that no one expects to make a Super Bowl, but is very much capable of winning a Super Bowl. And... I don't know. I don't know. But the Colts are really good. And if they get hot at the right time and can stay healthy between now and the end of the year, the Colts are a team that could surprise and scare a lot of people. And they win running the football, which their physical style, Carson Wentz, if he gets hot, makes a couple big plays, they run the ball really well. Like the Colts can beat anyone. I have no doubt about that. And uh, 
We might, we might, we might. Oh, how crazy. What if they lost the Super Bowl? It, regardless, I mean, I a lot of people were hating on Carson Wentz last offseason. And I was like, hey, relax. He had a horrible football team around him. He was a mess. He needed he needed help. Carson's a great quarterback, and we're seeing that a lot this year. And uh makes me very, very happy to see that. All right, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I will see you very, very soon for episode 431, next one. Love you. Appreciate you. Bam. We are done.